Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Hey, it is great to be with you today. I'm Tim Jacobs, lead pastor here at Compass. And as some of you had said when, um, when you walked in today, wasn't it last Sunday awesome? Yeah, it was good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we had, um, check this out, and, and, and I don't want to overcount, and, and so like we wanted to make sure, and we're, but I'm telling you, the second service especially, I mean, people kept coming. I mean, I don't know if someone had put like free beer on our website or something, like as a joke, because I'm like, holy cow, we had 1,600 people here on Easter. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it was just so cool, and so I, I'm so, it was just, it was great. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 John chapter 1, which way in the back of your Bible, like almost towards the very end, and if you don't have a Bible, we will have the verse on the screen for you, but we are starting a new series today called The Real Deal in an Era of Fake Everything. Now, I will tell you, um, and this happened last week and during Easter. It, it is. It was getting a little hot door, towards the second service, if you remember, um, and people were fanning themselves and stuff. So it is. It's that that year where at the time of the year where it's starting to get hot, right? I mean, not terribly hot. So have you turned on your AC yet? Anybody? Are you still okay? A lot of you have. Lot, how many of you are holding out still? You're like, I'm gonna wait until I start sweating, right? Yes. Yeah, some of you guys, you know, we're we're kind of like. We wait till about 82 degrees, like in the inside the house, or 83, and then we're like, okay, forget it. Turn the fan on, fans on full blast, you know, whatever. Um, we try to hold out as long as we can, but you know, if you live here in Arizona, that you're gonna have to use your air conditioner pretty much 24/7 pretty soon. And if you're smart, you're going to replace these things often. What is this? It's an air conditioning filter, right? Some of you are like, I've never seen that thing before in my life. <laughs> you need to go on the internet and figure out how to change this because this will save you from having to call the air conditioning repair guy. We want our air conditioning repairmen to be poor in this town. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're like, hey, that's not funny. No, but you know, I mean, no offense, but I mean, you know, so, so the, way that you, the way that you keep those guys away is you, one of the things you do is you replace these things often. They're very inexpensive. So this is a little public service announcement for you guys, but what is a filter supposed to do? A filter is something that lets the good stuff in and keeps the bad stuff out, right? Like dirt. So you end up getting more of what you want and less of what you don't. That's what a filter does. And this isn't the only type of filter that exists. There's plenty of other filters. We have them for your car. You even have internet filters, which I mean, those aren't, you can't really do a visual on those. They're kind of boring looking, you know, or whatever, if you could even have those in a, in a real three-dimensional thing. So I brought this air conditioning filter to make, um, to help us understand what we're going to be talking about today. Because over the next bunch of weeks here, we're going to be kind of developing our own filter. And we're going to be able to develop this as we look through the book of First John to help us understand what is true and what is not true. To help us to be able to discern it and understand it so that we are not confused. 
And really, when it comes down to it, in particular, we want to understand what is true and what is not true when it comes to the person of Jesus. Because if we get Jesus wrong, then honestly, nothing else we do here matters. But if we get him right, if we get him right, then everything in some way or another, will work out in, in some way or another. If we can get, just get Jesus right, it'll be amazing what can happen. But if we get him wrong, then nothing that we do is going to matter because we can look like a church, we can smell like a church, we can act like a church, but if we get Jesus wrong, everything falls apart. And why? Because we won't really have anything in common. We will have radically different versions of the love of God, of the person of God, of the grace of God. And then we'll have radically different visions of what our responsibility is to that God and to each other and how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to just conduct ourselves. So this is like, we've got to get this right. And so John, the writer of 1 John, is primarily concerned of, about this because there were all kinds of people going around presenting a different Jesus than the one that he knew because he was a direct eyewitness disciple of Jesus. And just like we've got fake news going on all the time right now, so you can't tell what's real and what's not real. Like what's real and what's been photoshopped, right? Or, or exaggerated or doctored up. And there was plenty of fake news back then going on about Jesus. Plenty of it. And so John is just trying to clear it up so that we can have clarity and be consistent and, and have confidence in exactly what it is we believe. And so this is what he says, starting with verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and which was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard. Notice all this, by the way. I've, we've seen it. We've heard it. We've touched him. We know he's real. This is what he's trying to say. So it kind of is going to great lengths to say, I was there. I saw him. I heard him. I touched him. I, all these things. He says, we, the things we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Remember, we just talked about having something in common. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. In other words, so we just be so happy that we can say we don't need anything else in our lives than this understanding that you know who the true Jesus is. Now, why would he say that? Where does this joy come from? It comes from the idea of having a commonality, having that unity of understanding of who this person is, and this idea when it, of this, that when it comes to Jesus, there is no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. No one even comes close. And so that's what you, you, you have to understand. And so here's the thing. What he's trying to say is like, when I see it and when you see it and we realize, yeah, there's no one like Jesus, it creates a bond. It creates like a synergy. Kind of like in the same way like when two people like develop this, this bond or whatever of a mutual understanding, like, you know, like there's nothing like the sound of an American-made Fender Stratocaster guitar going through like a beautiful tube amp. There's like nothing like that sound, right? 
right? When guitar players understand that. Or there's nothing like the feel of a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And there's, no, there's nothing like the authentic thing. Even though there's all kinds of cheap substitutes and imitations, when you meet someone who says, no, I, we both know we can spot a phony a mile away. And there's something about that bond that develops and that connection of knowing, listen, we know what the real deal is. We know what the truth is. And so, what's happened is, there are all kinds of these cheap substitutes and imitations that are going on, and, bas- and we still have them today. And you know what it comes from, really? It basically comes from people who try to make Jesus more manageable, more believable, more realistic, more of what you would expect from real life, right? And so they chip away at him. They chip away at the things that he said. They chip away at the claims that he's made. They chip away at what we believe about him to be true in the miraculous sense, in the, in the sense of, of him coming from God and being God himself and all that. They just chip away at it. And so they kind of throw him a bone to make him more politically correct and say, well, he was a good dude with moral teachings. And why can't we just stop there? And here's the problem. The more that you chip away at Jesus, the less you can really say there's no one like him. And that's really what it comes down to. You say, well, no, come on. There's lots of people like Jesus. There's Muhammad. There's John Lennon. There's Gandhi. Bob Ross, who I referred to last week. Remember Bob Ross? You know what I mean? They're all the same. They're just happy, good people who tell you to live a better life. And that's what people do. Why make it such a big deal? Well, so if that's the case, then who cares? Why, why should we worship Jesus and not anybody else? Why should we go to all of this trouble? What makes him unique? If, if, if the uniqueness about him is like, nah, that's not true, that's not real. But when you see Jesus for who he really is, it's supposed to revolutionize your life. And so, and we become, in the process of that, we become, and as a church, we become this powerful group of people, right? This powerful group of people who believe something that not, every, not necessarily everybody believes, but we're like, we, we can spot a phony a mile away. And so, just as John was very concerned that we get the real Jesus, not a fake substitute, I have decided what I'm going to offer us today is what I call the DIY fake Jesus filter, right? A filter. This is the do-it-yourself fake Jesus filter. So kind of like the AC filter, it's got four sides. There's going to be four questions that you can ask when, it, when you come to a, a, a person that wants to present to you a certain type of Jesus. And when you get, because you're going to get, you're going to get this in books. You're going to get this in movies. You're going to get this when people come knock on your door. You're going to get all kinds, you're going to go to some college class. And you're going to hear Jesus presented in all these different ways. And you go, how do I know that that's true? How do I know I'm getting the real deal? And so I want to give you a filter. And the reason I call it a DIY filter is because it stands for do it yourself. Because this is, should be something that you can do for yourself. You don't need, see, so many people I think, most people tend to think that they don't have the capacity because they haven't gone to school, they haven't read enough books. They don't see themselves as intellectually capable of discerning what is true and what is not true. And I think that that's not true. I think that you absolutely very easily have the capacity to be able to spot a phony a mile away and go, no, 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 no. So I'm going to help you do that in the spirit of what John is trying to say in his book of saying, listen, we've touched him, we've seen him, and we know he's real, and we want you to know that too so that we can have joy in our lives as we share this together. And so we have four potential 
Jesuses that we are going to show you, four candidates, and we're going to see how easily we can filter them out. So the first question on our filter is, um, if, if, you, if you see a, a person or if you see something or if you hear something that's being presented to you as this is the authentic Jesus, the first question you have to ask yourself is, is he 100% God? Okay, that's the first question. Is he, is this Jesus you're telling me about, is he 100%, not kind of God, not maybe, not, not sort of God, not, you know, but 100% God. So our first candidate um, is this guy, I'll call him the doorstep Jesus, because um, this is often the picture that someone will hand you when they come knocking on your door. Here's Jesus, okay? So this is, so this is the most obvious question. Is he God? And this is the most common question, and like I said, often people will come to your door and say, and, and present to you this idea, have you heard about, um, here, would you like to read this magazine? Or, hey, let me tell you about another testament of Jesus Christ. You know, there's the old one and the new one, but we have a third one. And then often people are very well-meaning and nice, and oftentimes very well-read, or at least very well-trained, to be able to tell you what they think is correct. And it was really interesting because I had a guy um, who was fixing my refrigerator last week, actually, and, and we started talking about religion, and stuff. And he says, you know, he says, when I was growing up, he says, uh, you know, I, was, I grew up in, in going to church a little bit. My mom would take me. But then, you know, I met another friend, and, and he was of a different religion. And I just thought, well, maybe they're all a little bit true, you know. And, 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 and so he's like, like, what do you think of that? Maybe, all, maybe we, everyone just has a little bit of truth. And so I was like, hmm, you know, how do I answer that? And so I said to him, I said, well, you know what's interesting about what you just said? I said, you've spent the last half hour trying to figure out why my water line is stuck in my, in my refrigerator, why no water will come out of my refrigerator. And you've done a very good job diagnosing. You kind of looked at all the and you've come up with, a, with what you believe. To, uh, he, and you've proven to me. You said, hey, there's no way it can be anything else than the fact that the water has been frozen inside the freezer door, which is not a good thing for us because we have to get a new freezer door, and that's ridiculously expensive, so we're not going to do it. So... Whatever. So the kids are going to have to get water out of the sink. Ooh, okay. <laughs> How sad. So I told him, I go, look. I said, I could, eat, I could have another refrigerator repairman come in and go, well, actually, that's not your problem. Your problem is, is the, there's the little pump over here. And the problem is neither one of you guys are, uh, or not, not both of you can't be right. One of you is right. One of you is wrong. So, so you, you can't have two refrigerator repairmen that, that both say different things and they both be right, right? And he's like, oh, you know. And it's kind of awkward after that. But, um, <laughs> but that's the truth matter, right? So, so, so the thing is, like, is it, it's either one or the other. So the first question you want to ask is, is the Jesus you're presenting, is he 100% God? Is he God? Okay? And that's very important. So, by the way, you don't need to learn all this other stuff about other religions. You don't need to do that. That's too, that takes too much time. You, what you need to do is learn a lot about your own. And then when you know a lot about your own, you're like, hey, that doesn't sound like what I believe. And so and one of the easiest questions is, is Jesus 100% God. Well, he was sent from God. Nope. Wrong answer. Well, he's almost God. Nope. Wrong answer. Well, he's the son of God. Oh, that's close. But when you say son of God, do you mean like, like sent from God um, or like created by God? Well, he was, he was created by God. Nope. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Nope. He was not. He was not. He is 100% God who came to us in the flesh. And if you get anyone who tries to present a Jesus to you who is not 100% God, um, you know, not, not a part God, not assistant God, not vice president God, then you know right away that you have a phony. Now, why is it so important that Jesus be God? 
Well, first of all, Jesus said he was on numerous occasions. In John chapter 8, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now you go, what's the big deal about that? Well, I am was code for, in in that time, all of the Jews were like, they heard I am. They're like, that's what God calls himself? So for you to say, before Abraham was, I am, that means you're saying you're God. In fact, they believed it so much that when he said it, they all picked up stones and they tried to kill him. Well, that's kind of like an indicator, right? So he said that about himself. Then he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Well, and then finally, Revelation chapter 22, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Who is that if that is not God? You just can't attribute him to anyone else. But more importantly, if Jesus is not God, then you and I do not have a Savior, and we have no reason to worship or rejoice. We have no reason to be happy. We have no reason to have hope. It's out the window. Because if Jesus is, if is not God, then he's just a man. And there's no way that a man could adequately pay for our sins. That would mean he is a sinful man like the rest of us. And the punishment is not worthy. Or the, 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 the sacrifice is not worthy of, of, of the offense that's been committed. It would be like a five-year-old who shattered a priceless vase trying to pay for it with a dollar bill. Here's, here's all I have. I'm sorry. You might, you might say, well, I appreciate the sentiment, but that's not going to cover the cost. And so, and, and, and by the way, people that, that believe that Jesus isn't God, they know this, which is why everyone who basically denies the deity of Christ always 100% of the time then moves into saying, you have to do something to earn your way to heaven because Jesus didn't do it for you because he couldn't do it for you because he wasn't God. His, his death on the cross was a nice example and maybe it kind of cracked open the door, gave you a little boost, but it, does, it doesn't do it. So then what's the big deal about Jesus? You're still in the same place that you were before. Why would you rejoice about that? And not only that, but you know, um, if, if this is the thing, if, if, if God is supposed to be our father, then he's kind of a sucky father, to be honest with you. Because if he's just, well, I want you, God, you know, I'm God, I want you to call me your father. Well, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't do anything to, to rescue. You, you sent somebody else to try to save me. Like, what father would do that? I remember when I was 13 years old, and I was the Devonshire Police Station because I got arrested because I, I didn't do it. I told you guys that before. And I was with the guy that did do it. And I remember, and it wasn't a pretty day, but you know who came and picked me up? My father. He came and picked me up and bailed me out of jail. You know, well, I wasn't really in jail, but I was in the local, you know, I was in the police station. But he got me out because that's what fathers are supposed to do, even though I was guilty. He came himself. Can you imagine if you would just send somebody else because he's too ashamed to go? What kind of terrible father would that be? So you want to go, oh, God's my father, but you won't even get near me. We don't worship a God like that. So if he, Jesus isn't God, then the deal is off, man. If Jesus isn't God, the answer is no. That's a fake Jesus you got right there. And we have a sound effect. Yeah. That's our sound effect. Fake Jesus. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is going to be fun. All right. <clears throat> so that's the first Jesus. That's, he's gone. He's not the real Jesus. So the second question um, we want to ask is, is, is he 100% man? That's the second one. So, okay. If Jesus, you know, the first question is, is he 100% God? Well, the second question is, is he 100% man? 
So let's bring out the next candidate. This is the 70s British Jesus that we have here. Um, you probably saw someone like that hanging up. If you grew up in church, he was like hanging on the wall somewhere. I don't know who that is, but um, it does not look like the actual Jesus because he was Middle Eastern. So anyway, we can make fun of this guy and not feel bad. So um, here's the thing. Uh, is, he, is Jesus actually, did he become one of us? Now this is what John is dealing with. Because at the time, the reason why John says, hey, that which we can touch with our, our hands and we can hear is because there was, a, there was a false teaching at the time going along called docetism. And what that was, was basically the idea that Jesus, that, that, that Jesus was God, but he didn't really become a man. So he just kind of appeared like a man. He was like, he, was, he looked like a man and, and acted like a man, but he wasn't really one of us. Be- and why did they think, think that? Because at the time, there was a belief um, that basically said that there was a dualism, like there's the material and the immaterial. And the material is bad and the immaterial is good. So you're not really the material. You're really, what, what makes us up is not your body or anything physical. It's really your immaterial, like your soul, whatever else. So it's, it's separated. So, so what happens is, if you're a material person, um, or if you're material, that's not really you. So your body and everything else. So one of two things would happen. Either on the one hand, people would get very um, abusive of their own body. Like they wouldn't eat or they like would deprive themselves of sex or anything like that. You know, they wouldn't, they would say, I'm going to deprive myself of all my appetites because my body is evil because the flesh is wicked. Or the other hand, they would say, well, I'm not really my flesh anyway, so it doesn't matter what my flesh does. It's not really me doing it. So then they would indulge the flesh, and they would do all kinds of immoral things. So either way, there would be extremes, but it was all based on the idea that the flesh is like a dirty, evil, gross, bad thing, and it's not really who you are in your purest state. And so why would God be, take on our flesh? Why would God become one of us? Because, you know, in, in that real sense. And John was going, that's not true. He, he's 100% exactly, he's not 100% God, but he's also 100% man. Both of those things together. Now you say, why is that important that he had to be exactly like us? Well, first of all, because Jesus is a man, that means we have a representative. We have one of us who actually did fulfill all of God's expectations and requirements, and he got an A-plus with no mistakes, without sin, which makes him then a worthy sacrifice. Which, and not only a worthy sacrifice, but someone to stand for us, in place of us. Now this is really a huge, I know this is a heavy thing, but this is part of the filter, guys. So you start the question by going, is he 100% God, and then is he 100% man? Did he actually join with us in his humanity, become a human being? Because if he didn't, he could never represent us to God. So here's the, this looks going to blow your mind. You ready for this? This is the verse out of Romans chapter 5, verse 18. And you should have this in your bag. You should have this like, you know, on your little speed dial or whatever for calling up Bible verses. Because it says this, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that is Adam's sin, because of Adam we inherited sin, So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So in the same way you inherit sin from Adam, you inherit righteousness from Jesus. So he becomes becomes your representative. He becomes the one that you inherit righteousness through. That's an amazing thing, because guess what? That means you're not responsible for it. You don't have to do it. You just say, God, that's an amazing thing that you would come and stand in my place and live the life that I could never live. And I get credit for that. Oh, that's worth worshiping, right? That's worth getting fired up. Like, like God, God would show us his love that he would say, let me show you. I'll do everything that you couldn't do. And then I'll give you that as though you yourself did it. Oh, look what it says in Hebrews. 
It says, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. I don't know how more it gets more clear than that. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of people. That just basically means by, by making propitiation that you turn God's righteous anger towards us for our sins into favor, into, into um, happiness towards us or goodness towards us because of, because of the fact that this, the sacrifice was made. But the only way it could be done is he had to be made like us and become one of us. So anybody that comes along and says, well, he wasn't really, he couldn't really be a total. He was just kind of partly, but he couldn't be like us because we're bad, awful people. No, 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 no. He was, he became one of us and he will always be human. Jesus will always be human. Isn't that crazy? Like God will always be human. I can't, I can't even understand that. But what does that mean? We always, we have a connection with him that will never, ever, 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 ever go away. He can never turn his back on us because he became one of us. That's worth worshiping. That's worth being in awe over. That's worth meeting together and thinking about and talking about and singing about. Not anything else that's less than that. And so, if Jesus is not one of us, if he's not 100% man, then fake Jesus. All right? You've been filtered. Boom. Not the real Jesus. All right. So this is pretty good, right? Very simple. Is he 100% God? Is he 100% man? Because if he's not both those things, boom, he's gone. Third question is this. Now this is a little more extensive, but it should be pretty um, easy to understand. Did his death on the cross pay for my sins completely? That's the third question. Did his death on the cross pay for my sins completely? So here's our third candidate. This is the... Too cool for school, Jesus, right here. And uh, yeah, I just found this. I just did a Google search, so it wasn't hard. So, you know, there you go. Now, you see, here's the thing. There are plenty of people who believe that God became man, that he's 100% God, 100% man. And, and he died on the cross for our sins, right? But here's the problem. They, what they do is they say, okay, that's fine, but you can't really be right with God until you do some extra stuff too, Right? Because it can't be that easy. It can't be, you know, just Jesus dies for you and then he covers everything. And, and so this kind of um, idea is what we would call cross plus. Like it's the cross plus something else that you have to do. It's the cross of Jesus plus you have to get baptized. Because, you know, Jesus, the innocent lamb of God, bleeding and tortured for six hours— on Friday, like we just celebrated last week, is not enough. You have to get into the water in front of a bunch of people. Then you're good. Because somehow that makes sense, right? So it's the cross plus baptism. It's the cross plus you have to do communion. It's the cross plus you can't do all these things or can't should do all these other things. And then somehow you make it to heaven. Now this is much more subtle. And, and now we're starting to, to, to poke in people even sometimes who can come into a place like this. Because, because oh, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for our sins. But come on, you got to do something else. Now don't get me wrong. I am not saying that you just act like it's nonchalant. Like, oh, it's no big deal. But here's the thing. Um, when you start saying, oh, you got to do your part too, you've missed the whole gospel, man. Because the Bible says so clearly that there's nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven. Because if there, if there was, then guess what? Then the day we stand before God and God says, hey, why should I let you in here? You go, well, 
let's take a look at the tape, man. Let's, roll. let's see how great I was. I'm better than that person, that person, that person, that person. Because, yeah, I mean, Jesus died for all of us, but I was really good. Like, God grades on the curve, right? And really? So who gets the glory? I do. Because I was better than you. No. The only reason you and I ever make it to heaven or we're washed clean is because of the blood of Jesus Christ that stood in our place and died in our place so that we didn't have to. And so he becomes the object of our gratitude. And anything else you try to tack onto that, and I'm sorry, anything else, anything else, well, you got to do this. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. Even faith. People say, well, you got to have, have enough faith. Okay, do you need to believe that Jesus died for you on the cross? Yes. Do you need to believe that he rose again from the dead? Yes. Do you need to believe that he's your shape? Yeah, you need to believe that. But, well, you got to have a lot of faith. If you don't have enough faith, you won't make it. Really? Because some people are going to have strong faith and some people are going to have weak faith. Some people just aren't going to have the strongest faith, but they believe, but they're like the guy in the New Testament says, I believe, but sometimes I don't believe God. Help me, help me. I I struggle sometimes. I love what Tim Keller, the pastor um, of Redeemer Presbyterian out in Manhattan um, in New York, how he describes this, because he says, you know, faith is kind of like, he says, imagine two people that get on an airplane and one person has almost no faith in the airplane or the crew that's flying the plane and is filled with fears and doubts. And the other has great confidence in the plane and the crew. And they both get on the plane and they fly to a destination and they get off the plane when they get there safely. One person had a hundred times more faith than the other guy, right? But they were equally safe. It wouldn't, um, it wasn't the amount of their faith. Here's it. This is what it gets. It wasn't the amount of their faith, but the object of their faith. That's what got them there, okay? That kept them from suffering harm and arriving at their destination. So he says, saving faith isn't a level of psychological certainty. It's an act of the will in which we rest in Jesus. We rest in Jesus. And sometimes you might struggle. And so I know, because so many of you guys beat yourselves up, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to grow in your faith, but you hear these crazies on TV, and you, 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 you you hear people talking all that, and they don't know what they're talking about because they're, well, if you don't have enough faith, you don't have enough faith. And it's like, time out. And I, 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 love, I love, like, when people come to me and they say, I'm worried that I'm not a Christian. I go, well, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. I mean, have you, are you surrendering your life to him? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I just, maybe I, and I go, then what are you worried about? That you haven't achieved some kind of level that you think you should achieve? What's the object of your faith? He's the one that rescues you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, so some of you guys just have to rest in that and not, and not worry so much about all your individual effort. Even the question itself has humility in it. Like, I, I'm, I'm worried if I'm not a Christian, you know? Was that okay, God? <laughs> um, yeah, we're dealing with that. So I don't know if we didn't pay our light bill or whatever. Um, maybe we paid it too much, I don't know. So hang in there with that. Um, but anyway, so again, you know, if you try to get me excited about a Jesus that went 90% of the way and then failed, that's like, or not failed, but no, that's it. That's all you could do is get me 90%. You got to fill the 10%. I'm not going to get excited about a Jesus. Why would I get excited about a Jesus like that? Look at what it says in 1 Peter 2.24. I just said this. I, just, I, I read this like all the time. He himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. And you have to do your part. Oh, no, it doesn't say that that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
By your wounds, you have been healed. Oh, no, 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 not by your wounds. By his wounds. It's like these crazies that, are, that, are, that, that crucify themselves around Easter all the time, right? They actually like to reenact Jesus. I'm going to crucify him. Why would you do that, right? It's the lamest thing in the world. So we, we, again, we talked about that. So be, you don't need to do that again. Jesus already did it. And by the way, you can't be tried twice for the same crime. If Jesus has already been tried in your place and found guilty and punished, then you don't have to be. You are set free. That's worth worshiping. That's worth singing about. That's worth getting fired up about. That's worth pray. That's worth sitting in awe and going, whoa, I never heard anything like that in my life. Because you didn't. So, if you ask if Jesus' death on the cross paid for my sins, and the answer is not really, then you have a fake Jesus. Right? That's the third one. And the fourth one's pretty simple, okay? So we have three sides, with four sides, right? Is he God? Is he man? Did, he, did, his, did his death on the cross pay for my sins completely? And the last one is this. Did Jesus physically rise from the dead? That's all right. So here's our fourth candidate. This is the hipster Jesus. Okay. Because again, there's many people that say, well, hey, he's a sharp guy and a great leader. And we, again, guys, we talked about this last week. But we're allowed because there's no rule that says you can't talk about the resurrection um, like twice in a row. Because we talked about it last week. We're like, well, we already talked about that. I know, but we should talk about it a lot. Because talking about it once a year when it's kind of a big deal is not enough. So did he rise from the dead? And there's people who say, no, he didn't. Well, you know, come on. Be realistic. Do you really bodily, not just figure of imagination, bodily rose from the dead. The whole point is if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we cannot be forgiven. We are still stuck in our sins because it means that, I mean, anybody could have done that. You know, you could, you could say, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. Okay, put you to death, and then you're just dead. And they go, anybody can do that. But the fact that he rose again from the dead means that death could not hold him. That death had no power over him because death is the result of sin. And he had no sin, which means he was a worthy sacrifice. If he's a worthy sacrifice, that means that we are free from our sin because he's paid our price. That's how it works. The resurrection is everything. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. You are pathetic for even thinking that you could be free from sin if Jesus didn't actually physically bodily rise from the dead. So you walk into some place, anywhere you go, and they go, well, we don't really believe Jesus actually bodily rose from the dead because, come on, like, that doesn't really happen. Let's get realistic. We're in the 21st century. Then um, we'll hit the button in just a second, but I have more to say to you. You, you're not, you don't have a real Jesus, okay? I mean, I know this is a little heavy, but it's everything. It's everything. And so you got you to gotta understand that. And you have to think about that. Like, my gosh, so, I have, so Jesus rose from the dead, and I follow him in that. So I sit there and think, you know, what if this is the end for me? What if I get a disease? What if I get cancer? What if I get hit by a truck? What, what, what if I get to my old age, and then I, I go to sleep, and I never wake up? And all these things that could happen. What's going to happen to me? Whatsoever is going to become of me? And God in his mercy would actually say, hey, listen, I'll show you what becomes of you. Watch my son. Watch what I, when I live my life the way you should live your life. And then I give you all that righteousness. And you see that death cannot hold you. And just, just as Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and just as he has rose, rose, risen with a body that can never die, so you will rise again with a body that can never die. And anything less is just not worth worshiping. 
So if you see, if someone comes along and says, nah, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but here's a nice little hipster Jesus. Nothing against hipsters, but I'm just saying as an example, then you've got yourself a fake Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the point. You're going to have fake Jesuses thrown at you your whole life. And you could, have two, you could either go through your life and go, well, either, either kind of cop out and go, well, I don't know, we kind of all believe the same stuff, huh? Um, which is just like not true because you don't want to really like handle it or deal with it. Um, or you can go, well, I don't think I'm qualified to really make a determination, which you don't need to do that either because I've just given you very, 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 very quick filter. Run this through the filter. Who is this Jesus that's being thrown at me? Because if he's not 100% God and he's not 100% man and he didn't die completely for my sins and he didn't rise from the dead, he is not worth my time. He's not worth my heart. He's not worth my life. He's not worth another second of thought because I am still lost without him. So, you can't forgive your sins. He makes that your job, which turns you into a robot or a guilt-ridden, hyper-religious person or some kind of legalistic jerk that goes around going, you better be good or you're not going to go to heaven because that's in the Bible, right? And it tells you nothing about God that he sent, or, that, or something terrible about God. Jesus isn't God, so God sent Jesus, and it's not him, it's somebody else. So God sent uh, a lackey, you know, he sent, he sent his like errand boy, he sent his intern to go do his dirty work that he didn't want to do. When you yourself would, would step in for your own child and give your life for your child in a heartbeat, God wouldn't do that for you. That's not a God worth worshiping. So I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to end on this. There's this great book called The Pilgrim's Progress. And I know it's, it's very old. Um, it's called The Pilgrim's Progress. I never read it because I thought it was about the pilgrims on the Mayflower. And that just sounded boring to me, like, like progressing across the ocean. That's what I thought it was. I'm like, that's boring. Why well, do I want to read about that? So I never read it for years. And then until like a few years ago, then I read it. And I was like, whoa, this is a really amazing book. It's, it's old language, okay? But it's like this, oh, to like, if you can just turn off your phone or whatever, or all the distractions, and just kind of like, like, like give yourself some time to read, it's, it blows me away. Because there's this character, Christian is his name, and he's like on this journey, right? And he's got to try to, he has this big burden, like this big burden of his sin, and he's like carrying it, and, and it's weighing him down. And he, 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 all he wants to do is just release his burden. He just feels so heavy and weighed down and defeated by this. And he hears that there's this guy named Jesus who can free him of his burden. And so he goes to find him, and he meets all these crazy characters along the way that try to take him off the path, kind of like what we talked about here, you know? Oh, you don't need to worry about that. Oh, you don't really have a burden. You don't really have sin. Oh, you can work it off yourself, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and it never works. It never works. And then he finally, he gets to the cross, you know? And he, he's telling people while he's along the journey, he's like, because they're like, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? And he's telling them, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a release from my burden. And I love this because he, when he's telling this one guy, he's talking to him, and the guy's like, what are you after? And he says this. He says that someday, he says there, when he gets to his destination, he says, I hope to see him alive that did hang dead on the cross. And there I hope to be rid of all those things that to this day are in me an annoyance to me. I hope to be rid of all this that I hate. And there they say there is no death. And there I shall dwell with such company as I like best. For to tell you the truth, 
I love him because I was by him eased of my burden. And that's so beautiful because it wasn't by himself. And it wasn't by some huckster that came by. It was by him, the Lord of grace. And he says, I am weary of my inward sickness. I would fain be where I shall die no more and with the company that shall continually cry, holy, holy, holy. If we have any Jesus less than that, there's no reason for us to be here. And yet because that is our Jesus, and we hold on and we filter out all the phonies, we become a church full of people who are like passionate about this beautiful message that we have. And we accept no substitutes. And as respectful as we can be with anyone we might come into contact with, we say, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, but it's not the same. Mm-mm, no, it's not the same. 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 There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. There's no one like Jesus. And you live your life and your last breath that you take on this planet, your lips should be saying, there's no one like Jesus. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want to say that for the first time, and I know I got a little wound up at the end, but if you heard this message and you're like, you know, I, I see it, I get it. It makes sense that God would trade places with me. It's an amazing thing, but there's no other way I could be forgiven and I want to be set free finally from my sin. I'm tired of bearing this burden like the guy that you talked about in the story. And if that's you and you want to be released from your sin and entrust that the God of the universe paid for it with his own blood, then just right where you are, just yield yourself to that. Just say, God, yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I don't know everything yet, but I want that. I want that freedom. I want to know you. And I want you to be in charge of my life. I'm tired of carrying this stuff around. I'm tired of not knowing where I came from or not knowing who you are. But if this is who you are, that you would become like me to step into my place, then you're the God that I want to worship. Because no one else did that. And so today, I call myself a follower of Jesus. Today, I know I'm found because I've been lost. Tell them that. If you've already prayed that prayer, if you've already made that decision, maybe you've just been unclear. And, and, and when you see and you read things and you, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Is this your opportunity? Because the, the whole reason we, we talk about this stuff is supposed to lead us to worship, you know? It's supposed to lead us to be like blown away that, that this is the God that we serve, that he would do this. And I can't, I've never ever read or heard of anything better than this. 
So those of you that are already believers, will you guard this truth in your homes, in your circles? Will you guard this? Will you think about it? Will you meditate on it? Will you be watchful that, that nothing gets chipped away that would take away the beauty of this message? So God, we thank you that we can have this filter that, that weeds out what might just dilute the beauty of who you are. And may we know you deeper. May we know you more in a more fully developed in a wonderful way as we continue to pursue you with everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.